Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Andy Last, and you are listening to Beyond Synth. This is episode 92, and the second part of my conversation with Adam McNabb, the lead singer of Le Cassette. And uh, this is part two of our conversation about N64. We are talking about our favorite N64 games. Of course, we started it last week. And uh, normally when I do a two-parter, I record both halves of the the show the same day but in this particular instance we were actually cut off so this part two actually was recorded the following week and i feel like i need to apologize for this episode in advance because it's (laughs) a little bit lower energy than the previous one and i think we also sort of forgot what we talked about in the first episode so there might be a bit of retreading of topics although i think i edited most of that out but this episode is uh, a little all over the place i'll say but it's still a fun episode and we still listen to lots of great music and that's why you're here for great synthwave music and for mediocre to shitty conversation and uh, that is what adam and i are great at so, as always, uh, Beyond Synth is brought to you by DownToJam.com, a free website that helps musicians around the world connect based on musical compatibility. If you're a musician looking for a partner to jam with or to fill a spot in your band, you're going to want to check out this site and sign up. Down to Jam. And this week, Beyond Synth is also brought to you by Valingo.com, featuring interviews with College, Electric Youth, Cody Carpenter, Lamatos, Cliff Martinez, Miami Nights 1984, Mitch Murder, Lost Years, Maythelvin, Anorak, the list goes on. That's Valingo.com, V-E-H-L-I-N-G-G-O.com. Or if that's too hard to spell, just go to neonnightdrive.com. Do you want me to spell that? (laughs) A lot of stuff to spell here. So don't forget, guys, uh, valingo.com. It's a cool place to go for synthwave interviews and stuff, and they do all sorts of cool synthwave-related things there. That's V-E-H-L-I-N-G-G-O.com or neonnightdrive.com. There's so many ways to get to valingo.com. That's what I'm saying. Now let's listen to a track. This is a song by Disco Disco, and this is Syntax Error.
And that was Disco Disco with the track Syntax Error. Uh, I always find the word error hard to say on the radio. Like when you see it spelled out and you say like error, I don't say error. But when you say error, if you don't really like enunciate those R's, it's like error. It sounds like you're saying error. And this is the kind of fun banter you can expect from the rest of the show. (laughs) So I'm warning you now. I'm setting you up so you understand completely how terrible this show is. But the music is great, and that's why you're here for great music and to check out my lovely sponsors like Vilingo.com. So how about this, guys? We're going to do the Patreon, and then we're going to go to my conversation with Adam McNabb. So let's go to the Patreon. Alright guys, Beyond Synth has a Patreon. That's a way for you to donate to the show. If you like Beyond Synth, you can support with a monthly donation. You can donate as little as a dollar a month, up to the preferred donation of, let's say, 3000 If you want to donate $3,000 a month to Beyond Synth, if you are a wealthy benefactor, now's the time to benefact and give me some sweet cash. Anyway, here's the names of the uh, of the people who donate to Beyond Synth and make Beyond Synth possible. There's Power85, Brendan Kellum, Ravonia, Bending Unit 22, Lunar Baboon, Knox Bello, Terrence Thompson, Nathan Winter, Russ Nyes, Data Suck, Seach, The Fear Merchant, Kanaz, Argen1981, Russell Hugo, Kyle, Night Raptor, Mitch Wiseman, Junk Mail Jeff, Katner, Girls with Tails, Zikorax, I90RR, Python Blue, Eric Valerio, Tomaj Shabubinichek, Common Sense, Chris Schmoko, 420 Bro, as in he donates 420 a month. And then there's my lovely $5 Pattersons. There's Kai, Saloya, Xruz Music, Joe and Lando, Roman, Devious Raven, Bobby B, John Eternal, Dougie Fresh, Lame Robot, Mono Memory, Replicant 81, Florence Bullock, Matthew Lister, Simon Norberg, Velingo. They also sponsored this episode, so there you go. A new Gat Ninja. Here's a new one. Blake Peterson. Thanks, buddy. Oh, he's donating a funny amount. 567. 567. And all the way to Hellroy with the donation of the Beast. And Lucas Ceballos with a second donation of the Beast. 666. And now, my lovely $10 Pattersons. Now, if you donate 10 bucks a month to Beyond Synth or more, um, you do that for a few months and I'll make a special video thank you message. They're all custom-made, personalized, and you can check out the latest one I made for Jacob Wick. And it's a, a fun little video you guys should enjoy with guest appearance by Letterman riot. Anyways, my lovely $10 donors, Trevor Resnick, Colin Bennett, Fraser Davidson, Victor Garza, Ezra Van Dam, Winfield, Will Lowe, and of course, Jacob Wick. 
And uh, go to the YouTube page, the Beyond Scent YouTube page, and check out the thank you videos there because the, there's some, some fun ones. And that is the Patreon. So let's listen to another track and get this N64 show on the road. We will be listening to a track by Dream Hour from the Unfinished Story of the Unknown Band EP. And this is Two to the Start.
And that was Two to the Start by Dream Hour. And that's a cool track. And now, without further ado, here is the second part of my N64 reflection with Adam McNabb from Lucasette. Okay, and uh, this is part two of my N64 chat with Adam McNabb. And um, say say hi, Adam. You're not the real Andy. <laughs> You sound really different. All right, so I should explain. Normally, when I make a two-part episode of a podcast, I usually actually record both parts the same day. However, this time, we're actually recording these two parts. This is actually like next week from when we recorded part one. Since then, I went to a friend's birthday party. It was very loud. He had a lot of people over. There was playing loud music, and I had to talk loudly to be heard it's important that people hear me mm. and uh, my voice is still fucked so there you go and that's why i sound like this today sounds it just sound good i think it sounds better it sounds a lot better yeah <laughs> i better do like that's the thing that pisses me off is that i i don't smoke or anything and uh i sort of wish i did just for the voice because like whenever it's i have good. a cold or my voice is fucked up it sounds a whole lot cooler on the show yeah, it's the same with everyone, though, isn't it? Everyone loves to have a James Bond voice. James Bond, shaken. The Transformers. You sound like Duke Nukem. <laughs> but a gayer, gayer version. Yes, of course. I played that the other day. I, I did... Um, and here's another track. Well, yeah. <laughs> I did the, the free trial of PlayStation Now oh, yeah. to test the streaming or whatever, because uh, when PlayStation Now first came out... You had to, like, re-input your credit card information just to do the free trial. Yeah. And I was like, fuck that. So I didn't want to do it, but then they, they streamlined it since then. So I tested it out. It's okay. Have you ever tried it? No, but is this N64 podcast? Yes. <laughs> just just reeling you back in. No, I haven't tried it yet, no, because my internet's too shocking still, so... When my internet speeds up a little bit more in the coming, well, probably 10 years or something, I might uh, I might give it a go. I mean, I have a decent internet speed, and there is still sort of a delay. You don't notice it with games where it doesn't matter so much. Like, mm. when my son's playing, like, Lego games and stuff. It really doesn't matter that there's, like, a slight delay with the button inputs. Mm. But for first-person shooters, it's really noticeable when there's a delay, and it's almost, like, disorienting. But I, I tried a few games. It was a fun way to just try a whole bunch of games I've never played and just play the first, like... 10 minutes of tried like uh, Nino Kuni and some other ones great game okay when you played Nino Kuni did you play with the English voice acting on yeah alright so the game looked great like it was a nice looking game and stuff but I found the kid's voice really distracting because it's clearly like a British person doing a kind of a North American accent and they're not doing it well and the mum had a British accent yeah it was weird and then the little penis cuddly penis thing was like Welsh yeah, he was Welsh. Was that like was that a real Welsh dude or a guy doing a Welsh voice? I reckon it was a real Welsh dude. They wouldn't have just some random and doing a Welsh accent. Yeah, I mean, I didn't mind that. No one can do a Welsh accent unless you're Welsh. Yeah, like I thought that voice was okay, but the kid's voice I found really distracting just because the mum had a British accent and I almost feel like, I mean, I've never read any trivia about the game. But I almost feel like the kid was supposed to have a British accent, and then maybe at the last minute they thought for the American market they would, like, change the kid's voice or something, and they made the same voice actor do it. And that person was probably like, mm. oh, yeah, I can do a, I can do an American accent so that they keep their job. Yeah, no, I don't know why they did that, but it didn't affect me deeply. Like, it affected you. Well, I don't know. There's just... When people do accents and, yeah. and they don't 
do them quite right. I find it really distracting. And it, I, I just figured, I'm just like, why doesn't this kid just have a British accent? Like, the mom has a British accent. It's his real mom. I thought maybe, like, if they're going to work it in that he was adopted or something. But it's his mom. So why, like, a five-year-old kid wouldn't have the same accent as his parent is just weird to me. And everybody else seemed to have accents and stuff. Fucking. There was a Yorkshire chap in there as well at one point. Yeah, no, everyone has an accent except for the kid, and the kid is clearly played by a British person who can't do a North American, like, accent. Uh, I wasn't really paying attention, to be honest. I didn't know if he was American or... I, I thought he was American. Maybe it's tr- trickier for you to tell, because there's certain words that you wouldn't pick up on that are said weirdly. Aye. It's, like, might be easier for my ear to hear that stuff. Like, it might be for you the flips I don't know because I'm pretty sensitive to bad British accents too because I watch a lot of British TV so like when I see an American actor doing a, a bad British it also affects me the same way where I'm just like oh don't like why is he doing this I hate when they make American actors do British accents and like shows and movies and they can't do it and it's just like ah oh, why'd you do that for <clears throat> 64 yep <laughs> Come on, mate. What are you doing? This is... Look, I just I just had to say that stuff, all right? It's important to me. Well, you've just wasted 15 minutes. I'm going soon. <laughs> right, so where were we, on, where were we before? We were to, we were well, I'll tell you about, what. We were talking about... Uh, I think the last time we left off our N64, we were talking about our favorite uh, N64 games and games we played. And yeah. I think we, we talked about GoldenEye. Talked about three games in the space of two hours. Yeah, that's certainly true. And yeah, so I think that's where we were. We, we got a lot to fucking cover still. We talked about GoldenEye. We talked about uh, Mario 64. Zelda. Diddy Kong Racing and, and, and Mario, Mario Kart. Kart. We touched on some Banjo-Kazooie and stuff like that. How about this? We're going to listen to a song and then we will get right down to For business. For fuck's sake, Andy. <laughs> You're a fucking cretin. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to plug your sponsorships as well? No, I did that I did that before we started talking. Right, okay. All right, so here we go. Here's a track by Alpha Rhythm. This is Animus. Thank you. 
And that was Animus by Alpha Rhythm. Yeah, did you ever... What? Did you ever play uh, Star Wars Shadow of the Empire? I certainly did. What did you think to it? When I first got the N64, right, that was one of the early titles. Yeah. And it's one where I really liked it at the time, but when I went and revisited it later, like with an emulator and stuff, yeah. it really dated itself, and it's it's kind of bland. I thought that, and there's a bit where you're on the speeders going through the town, and it was one of the hardest fucking things trying to get all the emblem emblems, 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 emblems <laughs> through the bloody market. I mean, I remember at the time it was a big deal, like it was cool because it was 3D, and you're like fighting stormtroopers and stuff, and you're playing like a sort of Han Solo ripoff character. Yeah. What was his name again? He had a beard, didn't he? I feel like it. Dash Rendar. Was that his name? Dash Rendar. I feel like that was the name. I'll have a look. And it started with the speeder, the the fucking snow thing. Like every Star Wars game that comes out, they always put out the Hoth level where you get to wrap your ropes around the fucking uh, at to ats. Yeah, it was uh, Dash Rendar. The N64. Uh, as much as I loved it, some of like the side games, I always felt like when it, when a company didn't know how to develop for it, it would have like kind of bland, washed out colors, and sometimes it would make yeah. games sort of feel kind of like depressing. Like when companies did know what to do, they could make these really vibrant, colorful games, like Rare, you know, like fucking Banjo Kazooie and Donkey Kong and stuff, or like these really colorful, vibrant games. And then there'd be these other games, or like Castlevania 3D and stuff, and it would all be like browns and just these washed out, shitty looking colors and it would just make the whole game experience just kind of like this game fucking depresses me to play yeah I mean I can remember I can remember the sewers in that game being really fucking depressing (laughs) Um, but they were like the games man Nintendo are doing it again where they're like charging like 60 quid for a chuffing game I remember back in the day you you, you used to mention something about the pricing ages ago there was no like fixed thing on them so they could charge whatever they wanted yeah 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 so I remember getting like two up for 70 quid and I thought that was ridiculous and that was in the 90s you know that was like 20 years ago but yeah because I remember I paid shit Mortal Kombat 3 I paid 100 bucks for it came to like like 115 with tax because of our tax and then fucking oh yeah Jesus Conquer was the same thing I pre-ordered it back in the day we didn't have the video game store so when I got Conquer's Bad Fur Day I pre-ordered it it cost 100 bucks it was 99 and I remember when I went to the store they're like oh if you get this game you get a free whoopee cushion and I was with a friend and for some reason I was embarrassed at the idea of taking the prize thing and I was just kind of like no I don't want it and I, and I left and I just think like why didn't I it was a free thing. It's worth so much more now with that whoopee cushion. Yeah, I just, I just, I don't know. For some reason, I was just embarrassed to collect the the, the prize. I don't know why. That's a weird. I don't think I ever completed that game anyway. The um, Star Wars one. I don't remember the ending. So I wanted to collect all the emblems. I wanted to collect them all, and it just got to the point where it was just impossible. And it was so glitchy in places as well. It would just. That's another thing I remember about that game. As I recall, that speeder level you're talking about, it was just controlled like shit, didn't it? It was so quick. You were going around these bloody things. Basically, I just just hit acceleration button and just steered with walls. I just crashed into walls all the time. It was ridiculous. (laughs) Ridiculous. You could do shortcuts as well, and like emblems were hiding behind crates or whatever. I don't know. It was was so bad. But I I did enjoy it for a bit, but it just because it's Star Wars, but the the novelty wears off a bit. But you got it was it Star Fox over your end, but it was Lilac Wars over our end, wasn't it? Uh yeah. Star Fox sixty four was actually a really cool game. I like that one. I loved it. 
I liked and it. It took uh, me a while to figure out how to get to the. You know, when you can do like shortcuts to other planets. Mm-hmm. I was I would just do the main follow this the main routes and then i discovered they could do if you shot this one thing and then i think it was was it uh on the tank level especially the tank level was insane that was one of the best levels for me the tank level and also the the arena one as well when you have to shoot down all that, that big spaceship before it blows up that triangle a bit like independence day yeah 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 when i think back a lot of my memories of Star Fox 64 i thought were the super nintendo one for some reason like i remember like the voice acting yeah in the n64 i remember that was a big deal because all the characters talked and it was pretty cool mm. And then I remember thinking like, oh, that was the Super Nintendo one. And then I went back and played the Super Nintendo one. Remember that no one says anything in that game. I think there's just like, good luck. Gibberish. Yeah, that, that was my favorite part, I think, just the voice acting. And it, it again, that's another franchise, just like Mario Kart, where like after that Star Fox game, they never really made another one that I liked as much. Well, I haven't played the Wii U version one. I played the demo and I didn't like it. They just take too long these days now. They're just fucking... I don't know what the problem is. I don't. I really don't. They're taking forever. Like the, the new Zelda one's been taking God knows how long for it. We're spending so much time waiting for games than fucking playing them still, and it's just it's just pissing me off. Yeah. <laughs> it does seem weird, especially when Nintendo's whole philosophy is always just like, oh, it's not about graphics; it's just about fun and blah blah blah. And then you know, you know that half the time, a lot of these other titles, you know, Grand Theft Auto and Skyrim and things like that, they're always on these like four-year, five-year development cycles. But it's because they're like filling giant open worlds with lots of detail. I mean, like, you know, the work that goes into Grand Theft Auto and stuff. Yeah. So like when you have a company like isn't concerned with graphics, it's like, why are these games taking so long? You know what I mean? Like, Oh, I know. I know. I'm gonna, I, I might just give up on gaming and start collecting stamps or something. <laughs> <laughs> more interesting let's uh let's let's listen to another track then go on (laughs) here's a track uh we're gonna listen to some more music here uh this is by i don't even know how to say this muzak mize i'm gonna say muzak mize it's m-u-z-a-k-m-i-s-e or muzak mize wait say that again m-u-z what m-u-z-a-k so that's muzak yeah and then m-i-s-e mize yeah, okay. We're going with Muzak Mize, buddy. If I'm saying it wrong, correct me, motherfucker. This. By sponsoring him, $50. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is Muzak Mize with the track Stuck in Four.
And that was Stuck in Four by Muzak Mize off the Transylvania Heat EP. And I'm here with Adam McNabb from Look Is That. We're talking about our favorite uh, N64 uh, memories. We're not talking about our favorite ones. I think we're just talking. Yeah, about we're just talking about yeah, yeah. All we did, and so this, you this, keep, you keep, you keep tripping over yourself. This, uh, well, that's this whole show is shit and tripping over yeah. shit. Yeah, I'm glad you said it. <laughs> All right, go on. Well, I'll say a game that you probably didn't play, and this isn't a great game, but this was a game I played a lot of, and that was uh, Mortal Kombat Trilogy, which I think I also paid a hundred bucks for, and the game was bad. But you know, sometimes when you're young and you just want something to be good and you can somehow will yourself to enjoy a piece of shit, Mm. because as an adult, I can't. Like, I can't fake my way through it. If I'm excited for something and it comes out and it sucks, there's nothing I can do. So basically, did it have all just the one, two, and three in it, yeah? Yes. Didn't have Ultimate or anything like that? Well, it did, because Ultimate was uh, the arcade after Mortal Kombat 3, so it had all those characters, like Ermac and Rain and Sub-Zero and Scorpion, because they weren't in Mortal Kombat 3. But what I always loved about Midway, or at least the Mortal Kombat team, and I'm saying this sarcastically, is they're they're a really lazy development studio sometimes. So like when they came up with Mortal Kombat Trilogy, they just did the bare minimum amount of work to like make that game so they brought in all the characters from the three mortal Kombat's that have been made up till that point but johnny cage from mortal Kombat one and two right and you had to play as the mortal Kombat. no i think they filmed a new guy for some reason they, they got a new character yeah was it a guy with a cap no that's striker that was a, just one of the shitty characters they invented for mortal Kombat three. Oh yeah they went off the yeah. rails that's when they started to go off the rails the franchise like they still had cool characters in part three but they also made a lot of really dumb decisions and then yeah. trilogy was a cool idea because it was like hey you can play as you know because certain characters weren't in all three games and so you could play as all of them there's like I don't know maybe like 30 characters or 28 or something so you'd have a character like Johnny Cage now he would nut punch people and he'd do the splits and punch them in the balls mm-hmm. and they would grab their crotch right but that was in Mortal Kombat 2 and Johnny Cage wasn't in Mortal Kombat 3 so that there's characters in Mortal Kombat 3 that don't have the animation to grab their crotch so instead of making that animation they just took the move out all right and that's the way that they made that game like anytime there was something in the game that would have required extra work they just removed it Hmm. they're hilarious for just being so like lazy so like the pit the pit 2 in mortal kombat 2 once you uppercutted the guy over the pit it would cut to a bird's eye view of them falling and you see that the cement like kind of slowly showing up in the background and then they splat against it all right but since characters from yeah, Mortal Kombat 3 don't have that animation, the pit 2 doesn't do anything. It's not even a pit. It's just, it's just there. It looks like the pit, but it's not the pit. So the whole game is that. Like, anytime there was anything there that would require work, you just couldn't do it. Like, the bosses, you couldn't do fatalities on them because that would require them to make, you know, an additional animation or whatever. So I still played the game, but it was like, and the sound was the most compressed and shitty sound. And it pissed me off a bit because the PlayStation version of this game actually had more characters and the sound was a lot better uh, because they could store more information on the disc, I guess. But it came at the cost of like loading time. So when I finally played the PlayStation one, because everyone was just like, oh, the PlayStation one's better because it has more characters and stuff like that. But it had loading time. And I just remember thinking, like, what the fuck is this? Loading time? I mean, like, I was so used to playing cartridge-based systems that the idea that, like, you press start on the fight and you just had to sit there for a while. Yeah. No, I never played it. I just played Mortal Kombat 4. 
which I thought was brilliant. Yeah, that's right. So that was the next one in the series, and I played that, and, and that was that was a revolution. That was. It's funny going back now because it looks like shit, but I remember being super excited at the time for it. Like I'm a big Mortal Kombat fan. Yeah. But after Mortal Kombat two. They started going off the rails a bit with character design in that they just invented the blandest, lamest characters to, like... Well, they just had three... They had one character with three fucking colors. It was rain... Wasn't there rain? There's, like, eight. No, there's eight of them, right? Because... Smoke. Of the ninjas that they color-swapped, right? Scorpion, Sub-Zero, Smoke, Rain... Reptile. Ermac, Reptile... They invented another character for uh, the trilogy called Chameleon, which was basically just he just kept changing colors and he could be all of them. Noob Cybot. I feel like there's even another one. Anyway, the point is, yeah, but the worst part is like those were some of the cooler characters because they were ninjas. In part three, that's when they're just they got rid of Scorpion and Sub-Zero, replaced them with Striker, the riot cop with like a backwards hat and like a blue T-shirt. Yeah. And then they took Sub-Zero's ninja costume away and gave him, like, spandex and a stripe on his face. I remember seeing that. I thought it was weird. Yeah, like, it was just they just made weird decisions. Like, Shang Tsung was switched to have, like, this weird mullet ponytail and, like, a spandex outfit. And then part four, then they just started inventing characters that just were like, why don't you just keep the ones that people already like? But then they would just bring in these lame characters just like, Rico, he's got black face paint. And then there's just some chick that's just nothing cool about her. She's just there. And, like, they just they didn't try. And then since then, they invented... There's probably, like, a whole roster of about, like, 25 Mortal Kombat characters that are just horrible. Yeah. Now, that being said, because I love the cool ones, right? Like, I like ninjas. I like robots. I played Street Fighter Four, like I was saying before, but the PlayStation Now. So I just I tried that, like the ultimate version that has like the whole bunch of characters in it. All right. And uh, the Street Fighter franchise has got its fair share of really lame characters too. Like I don't know half of them anymore because like I haven't played those games in years. And so I'm literally looking through the roster and it's just like Dan, just some guy with like a blue shirt. And then there's like Steve. Like they just have like these like one name, like just normal name. There's nothing cool about the characters. They're just kind of people. And I just I just prefer a, a level of fantasy in my fighting game characters. Well, like Axel. So keeping it like I should pull here. I'll pull I'll pull up the fucking roster because it's like yeah. Let's just let's just take this off topic a minute. Let's just pull uh, in here. So Street Fighter Four. Uh, Ross. I didn't know they did a Street Fighter 4, to be honest. That's the, that was the one that was 3D. It had that kind of art style where there's sort of like kind of dripping paint. You can, uh, I, I mean, I think it's on PlayStation 4. Like, oh, uh, mate, fucking hell. Fucking hell. I thought you meant Streets of Rage. Fuck it, for some reason. Oh, fuck, I, I wish. God damn it, I wish there was fucking Streets of Rage. Mate, so sorry, so sorry. I don't know why I thought. Why the fuck was I fucking thinking Streets of Rage? I want a Streets of Rage. So look at this, all right? So the characters, okay, there's Abel, who's just some dude. Adon, fucking Cody Travers, Dan, Habiki, Dudley. Hey, Guess what? I've just pulled up Streets of Rage 4 HD demo 2013. Looks Japanese. I'll send you a link. You know what actually is really good? Some nerd. Just just in the same way last week I was talking about GoldenEye X, which is like a mod of the original GoldenEye that's really awesome. Some people put together like a Streets of Rage 2 remake. And it, I mean, it's not like HD, but it's like it plays in widescreen and stuff. And you can get it for PC. And it's really good. They basically like took all the options of like all three Streets of Rage games. You can play as I think like six characters from the different games. Yeah. It plays really fast with the arcade controller, especially like it's a really really good version of that game. I'm gonna have a look now. I think it's just called Streets of Rage Remake. I might be able to send you the link. I'm just looking at the Street Fighter Four thing. Rufus, 
Seth. Just stupid. Like, these characters don't seem like... They're not special to me. Like, with fighting game, I want characters who, like, the one with the fucking sword arm and the one with the fucking flaming head. Like, that's the stuff that interests me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, let's listen to another track, and then we'll fucking uh, get this back on topic. Yes, thanks, Andy. Yeah. (laughs) Here's a track by... (laughs) Here's a track by Tape Loader featuring Syntax. This is Eating Right.
that was "Eating Right" by Tape Loader, featuring Syntax. It is important to eat right. Adam McNabb. Uh, I don't care. Ten eighty snowboarding. That was one of my favorites. Yeah, that was one of the first ones. I, I I remember being really impressed by the sound when you were snowboarding and you're like cutting through the. It it felt like the snow was nice and fluffy whenever you were cutting through it. And there's yeah yeah I remember that. And I used to love the arena where you had to just basically try and do as many tricks as you could, jumping off one ramp. And did you ever get the chrome snowboarder? No. I, I can't remember how you got that. I don't know if you had to complete the courses on certain times or. I think you had to get the highest score when on that the stunt ramp on, on the ramp. Uh, oh, sorry, uh, and then <laughs> and uh, sorry, that I, 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 that was in there for about brewing for about five minutes. And it kept trying to tease its way up. So yeah, that was that was another good one. Mm. That was my, that was probably the only snowboarding game that I ever actually played, and I haven't, played, I haven't played any other ones since, actually. That steep's meant to be quite good, but I don't know, I just, I, I just don't find it interesting anymore now. Again, like, I'm not really, like, a sports game guy or whatever, but there's certain games where when you see it for the first time, and uh, it's, like, a new experience, and, like, 1080 was the first, like, snowboarding game that I was like, oh, this is really cool, but it never, it didn't really fuel my love for snowboarding games. It was sort of, like, that specific game. Yeah. And I tried ones afterwards, like SSX and stuff like that. It's the same as I feel about the Mortal Kombat franchise. It's like, I, I used to love Mortal Kombat, and so I thought that meant that I liked fighting games. And so I I bought and played so many fighting games over the years until I finally realized I just like Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I played like Soul Calibur and Street Fighter and all these other ones because I thought that I liked fighting games. Well, Killer Instinct were good on back in the day as well. Yeah. But even still, I remember thinking, like, when I saw it in the arcade versus the Super Nintendo one, I remember it was like, uh, the Super Nintendo one was kind of weak. The 64 was a bit better. Yeah. At at least in terms of, like, having cool characters. Like, I I think at least Killer Instinct had characters that were cool. Like, I liked Glacius and Cinder. The thing is now, I think fighting games back then when you played against your mate it was fine because you were both kind of novices you are oh, you 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 were good but then i bought small combat last year mm. or the year before i think it was 10 was it Mortal Kombat 10 yeah it's 10 now isn't it that game looks great the, the graphics it in that game good. are fucking great but the thing is though you play online and you, you, you haven't thrown your first punch and they've got a fucking flawless victory so I, I just I traded it. I, I just it just made me feel like I was worthless. So I just <laughs> got got star credit. I wasn't allowed to have the money back, bastards. But um, but yeah, no, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like back then, because you were with your mates and you know you were like equally as probably as good as each other. Mm. Then yeah, that's like a fighting chance. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But I think now these days, because it's all online, people just can't do with it. Can't do. Well, I won't even. I don't even play fighting games online. Like, I like Mortal Kombat, but I only play multiplayer with friends in the same room. Like, I will not play online. Because yeah, just, just for that reason. Yeah. But then Mortal Kombat's always had that problem anyways. Like, if you're not playing online, Mortal Kombat has always had the cheapest AI of any game I've ever played. Like, Mortal Kombat 2 was just like, you don't win unless they want you to win. And I don't know if there was, like, a formula, if it was just, like, you lose six times in a row and then they'll give it to you, because... Yeah, like an handicap. Yeah, because there were times, literally, like, you just get fucking destroyed, and then all of a sudden, like, you play again and the guy just sits there, and you're like, oh, so I'm allowed to win this time, you piece of shit, and, like, 
Shao Kahn was the cheapest fucking last boss in the history of fucking games. He would just body check you and you couldn't do anything about it and he would just do it until you died. And it was like, okay, and he only had to hit you like four times, but like you still had to hit him like a thousand. Like it was just so fucking cheap. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, what's, what's, your, what's your next game coming up? Well, I think we can talk about... Did you ever play Mario Tennis? No. See, we should, we should really talk about that afterwards. We should really talk about games that we've never played, but we've kind of wish we should have i'll say that um this always happens right you inevitably you don't end up playing all the games on a system so like whenever you do something like this you do a show where you're talking about games you play there's always someone just like why didn't you talk about fucking pokemon stadium or whatever i'm just like dude i never played it like i pokemon is a franchise that fucking passed me by like yeah i mean pokemon snap i can remember was it snap Pokemon Snap, yeah, that was the one where you take pictures or something, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, there was another one where when they were teasing when you had that base where you could attach the N64 to it to make it a bit more powerful, and they were teasing, like, um, where you'd had Pikachu, and you could, like, make fit him like your pet or something. I remember that. That never came out, and they they were always teasing it in Japan, like, on the Nintendo magazine, and I was like, when's that coming out? When's that? A bit like um, The Last Guardian for the PS3. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, like, <laughs> it coming out, they cancelled it. What's going on? And then I don't think they ever did make it. I don't know if they ever did make it. I can't remember. Just, just Pikachu. I think it was just like a pet thing. I can't remember. I think the main games that I didn't play much of and can't really speak to was the any Pokemon game I didn't really play. Um, Smash Brothers, I only played a little bit on the N64. I liked it better on the Cube. Yeah, I never played it on the Cube or the N64. I think the first time I played it was on the Wii U. It's just fucking hectic. It is a very hectic game. So, yeah, it's so intense. The cube version I liked better. Like, the thing was, sometimes there's the littlest thing that'll throw me off with the game. And the North American version of Smash Brothers, they changed the punching sounds to sound like bowling pins. Right. I found it distracting. Like, I was just like, why did the punches sound like this? Like, this seems like a cool game if it took itself a bit more serious. And then it just turned out that was the North American version. And then in the later versions, they put the punching sounds in for the other ones. Like, I think maybe they were trying to, you know, their stupid image of Nintendo and wanting to keep it clean and stuff because they're all fighting each other. But yeah, so that was the main one. Because I think when I look at other people's lists of, like, their favorite N64 games, a lot of people put Smash Brothers close to the top. And uh, Pokemon usually is one of them, like Pokemon Stadium or one of those is in there. Yeah, no, I never played in them. I tended to stay away from depressing, dark games. Like Pokemon. What was the, was it Shadow Man? Yeah, Shadow Man, yeah. I played that for about, oh, I can't remember, I think I played it about three times and it got really dark and I, I was always kind of like the bright, sort of happy fucking... Well, I, I really liked Shadow Man, but it had... Uh, well, how about this? Let's listen to a song, and then we'll fucking talk about this. This is an interesting idea. We're going to listen to a track by Mitch Murder, all right? Oh, okay. All right. He's a cool guy. Uh, this is an awesome song. This is After Hours Run by Mitch Murder.
And that was Mitch Murder with the track After Hours Run off the After Hours album. And I'm here with Adam McNabb from Lucasette. Hello. What? Good old, no, I just said hello. Oh. <laughs> Um, I think when I was younger, I was almost more open to like all sorts of different types of games, even though I say I don't like sports games and stuff, but there's ones that I still like tried and played, whereas now I almost feel like I know what I like and I don't often like I'm not really big into horror games, for example. Yeah. But back in the day. Like Shadow Man, it was an open world kind of game, which was cool. I still have like bits of it stuck in my head because there was like voice acting. Right. And so I still have like certain lines of dialogue in my head because there was like this witch doctor lady who gave Shadow Man like advice and stuff. I'm like that with Resident Evil 4 though. What are you, boy? <laughs> for, for Shadow Man, it was she'd come out and she'd like, you gotta, you gotta get those dark souls, Shadow Man. It's like, what's the problem, Agneta? What's the problem, Agneta? I had a dream, Shadow Man, a real bad dream, a dead side dream. The start of the game was kind of frustrating because you have this gun you'd always have to use and it had the most annoying sound effect. I think that's what it was. You know what? I think it got too, I think it took too long to get into it. It got super creepy though. Like there's one level, once you finally get into the game and then you keep teleporting back to Earth in these weird locations to like kill these serial killers. And there's one level that had this creepy fucking music that I got to go back and listen to again because it basically sounded like... It was the sound of, like, knives. You know when people, like, clean a knife or sharpen a knife? Mm. That metal, like, that... And, like, that was the whole, like, background of the the music. And you're running around this weird, like, apartment building where there's, like, blood all over the walls and stuff. And it was, like, really creepy. So I remember, like, I did like it, but I could see how it was, like, super depressing. It was very, like, with the other games, it was kind of washed out colors. I don't think the N64 was good enough to make horror games, though. I think PS2 set the bar... Because the graphics looked amazing on, like, you know, on Resident Evil. Not the characters, the actual buildings, you know, like the static... Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. ...renders and stuff like that, so... And then Silent Hill 2 was just, like, the most fucked-up game I'd ever played. You know, it was awful. Just the whole atmosphere. But I think with the N64, because there was so many, like, sharp polygon imagery, it just didn't work as, as, as good, I think. Also, the N64 always had to deal with compression to fit stuff on the cartridge. Yeah. When you have a system on CD, you have nice, clean audio... And especially with a horror game, you need that music to be crisp and you need those sound effects. And because I remember um, when they did Resident Evil 2 on the N64, that cartridge was like heavier than the other cartridges. I never played it on the N64. It was good. Like it, it was fine, but they really had to like to fit it all on there. I think they had to make like a super cartridge that was like heavier. Like I think it was actually just more. Oh, you have to put the uh, expansion pack in as well. Not for that game, no. I thought it was classy. You know, I felt like, um, you know, when you, what was the game it came with? I think it was Donkey Kong. Yes. When you got the expansion pack. Mm. And I thought, oh my God, that's so nice. They give me something extra to fit in the N64. Yeah. <laughs> Donkey Kong is back in an adventure so big, it's taking the country by storm. This turbocharged game has better graphics, more moves, bigger bosses, huge worlds. It's so big, we included an expansion pack to get it all in. Donkey Kong 64. And you thought insanity was crazy. What I did, I sold my old N64 and bought the Donkey Kong set, which was a green N64 that came with the memory, the, the RAM pack. Have you still got your green one? No, I sold it. Oh, mate, they're, they're really sought after now. Mm. But you know what? I didn't have the whole set. Like, I didn't have the green controller anymore. I just had the system. It don't matter. Oh, uh, well, wait, I sold it. <laughs> It'll even really depress you further to know how much I sold it for. Not a lot. $20. <laughs> I, I, there's, $20 one dude, I there's one dude in town who was like, 
trying to put together a flea market of old games. And so, like, one day I was selling a whole bunch of stuff, you know, on Craigslist, and they were all separate listings. And then it seemed like the same guy kept responding until eventually I just sort of, like, kind of cut him a deal because he just bought everything off me because I needed the cash. (laughs) Is that a plug for another track? Yeah. <laughs> well, here, let's listen to another song and then we'll fucking, uh, we'll, we'll keep going here. This is a track by somebody by the name of Emil Rotmeyer. And this is, or Rotmeyer? Would it be Rot, Rotmeyer? Rotmeyer. Emil, I'm going to say Rotmeyer because it's two T's. Uh, this is a track called Audia. We'll be right back. 
And that was Audia by Emil Rotmeyer. And I'm here with Adam McNabb from Lucasette talking about N64 stuff. And um, I'm trying to think here. So Turok, I like. Turok 2, I really like. You know what? That was so strange. I was literally just about to say... Turok, what is your favorite Turok out of all four of them, wasn't there? There was, yes, there were four. Okay, so here's my, this will be the quick rundown of Turok, okay? The first game was super impressive because it was like, even though it still had that fog where you couldn't see two feet ahead, I remember it played smoothly, it looked good for what you saw. Yeah, and the cheat modes as well with the ultimate weapon. Yep, so that was cool. The, the weapons were neat. Turok 2, I think, was a better game. Yep. The track in the first level of Turok 2, the port of Adia, is one of my favorite video game songs of all time. Like, it's a really epic and awesome fucking song. Can't say, but go on. No, that one's fucking great, man, where it's got the strings and the piano. It's like... It was awesome. Um, what does that sound like, that... And it goes. You just reminded me of something, a scene from. Something from a fucking film. Do you remember it? Fuck, what's it from? I don't know, I don't know what this. You fucked me up now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah, okay. I never played the uh, Rage Wars, though. Okay, Rage Wars had a fucking glitch. So that was the time where I was still big into, you know, like playing split screen shooters uh, with my. I mean, I'm still into it. Mm-hmm. And Rage Wars was the next one, and it was a purely multiplayer shooter like it was meant to be played split screen with your friends there was bots and stuff like that which was fine and we played it a bit and then it had a fucking glitch where you couldn't progress if you were playing like you started like a two-player game and there was a point where you couldn't progress anymore and it was actually like a glitch in the game i haven't gone back in time to research whatever and this is back in the day when there was no uh patches you know i like that when we think back to old games where like they had to make the game work so that when it came out, it just, it would work. And there's none of this, like, yeah. when you get a game on launch day and the fucking thing doesn't work, you know? And it's like, oh, we needed a patch because we didn't anticipate that people were going to press start, you know? Like, it's it blows my mind sometimes, like, what they will... I mean, I know it's shareholder shit and they have to release things when they say they're going to or whatever, but it is really frustrating now that, like, games sort of launch broken. It's a weird thing to me. Yeah, I don't get that. It's, it's fucking random, isn't it? But I, I guess you've got the technology to do it now, though, and just like basically just download the patch for it to work. Yeah, it's just it's frustrating. Like, I mean, that's what I like about old games that they, they work. But then, of course, when you have one that doesn't, and so Rage Wars had that glitch, and that just broke the game because I had played like so many levels with my buddy. We finally got to like towards the end of the game, and it was mostly just like an arena kind of shooter, like. I think they had they might have had like a story in there but it was just to like you're running around a zone killing bots or whatever and then Turok 3 I played a bit of but I never beat it it was a weird series because it almost felt like every sequel to Turok was like made by a different company or something yeah yeah, I know what you mean. Because they were all completely different, they looked different, they played differently, and they didn't really continue any sort of story. Mm-hmm. So, like, the end of Turok 1, you kill the last dinosaur, and you blow up, and you fly out of a cave. And then Turok 2 starts, and you're in space, and you look different, but you're still Turok, and you're talking to, like, this chick in, in space, in front of a portal. I, I think I only got halfway with that game, because it just got a bit too 
weird for me. Well, Turok two, the first one. Turok two had wicked weapons. Like there's very creative weapons. There's that one where it like shot a drill into like the monster's head. Oh yes. Remember the the cerebral bore. You could, could like dismember them yeah. as well. That was so cool. So there was cool things, but then um, I remember it had really shitty save progress. So like you'd play a gigantic level, but you could only save if you made it to like a save terminal thing, and they were spaced out so far that like that was one experience where I remember playing the game and you know like my dad calling saying like you know it's time for dinner or whatever I'm like just I can't turn this off because I'm like an hour away from a save point and I've already played for like two hours and they were like these maze like giant because back in the day remember they didn't really hold your hand or walk you through how to play games so like when you think back to GoldenEye and I know you said you didn't play Perfect Dark but I mean Perfect Dark is another example just like GoldenEye where you start the game, they give you an objective, like, throw the modem on the uh, fucking computer, but they, you don't really know what that means, and so you just have to play Goldeneye just sort of like, so what do they mean by, like, plant the tracker? And then you're, like, going through your inventory, and you see this thing, and, like, so my do I equip it? Do I put it somewhere? Like, you don't know what to do? And Perfect Dark was full of that as well, like, just these objectives, like, silence the witness, and you're like... Okay, what does that mean? And then you play the level and you shoot the guy and it's just like, mission failed. I beat Turok 2. It was one of those things that always made me laugh was uh, when you have really petty things to do in the level, but there's like an epic story going on because this chick at the start of Turok was just like, you, you must stop the primogen, Turok. Yeah, and you have to light beacons or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. just like, you must, he, once he aligns all five totems, uh, he can destroy this world. And then it'll be like, your mission is as follows. Save three children, you know, like, and they would give you like this stupid list. And it's like, what the fuck? You just told me this guy's gonna like light up a beacon and destroy the universe. And it's just like, you know, collect the key card, the like little side quest. And then Turok three, I think Turok died at the start of the game, and then you ended up playing as like a brother and sister. I think. Yeah, because they didn't bring out Turok out for PlayStation three, didn't they? Yeah, I never. I played that briefly, but I didn't like it. It looked weird. They should bring out like a new Jurassic Park. But, like, an old-school Jurassic Park, like, from back in the day on Unreal 4 Engine or something like that. I remember there was a dinosaur game that a lot of people really liked. Like, it was, like, really shitty, but in a fun way, where you go back in time and you fight dinosaurs, but it was, like, kind of over the top. I thought, right, no, Andrew. I'm trying to think about that. You'll think about it whilst we listen to another track. Yeah, let's listen to a track by Dinatron. <laughs> you might want to say the track. <laughs> <laughs> This is a track by Dinatron. <laughs> this is a track called Pulse Power.
And that was Dynatron with the track Pulse Power. And I am here with Adam McNabb from Lucasettes, and we are talking about N64 games. So that was um, the Turok series. I still, yeah, uh, I, I dug that. But I still think the, I think the first one was class. But um, <laughs> I'm just looking at this article as well because I don't know if you heard about this guy who kept his Super Nintendo switched on for 20 years so he didn't lose his progress in a game. <laughs> Didn't you hear about it? Nope. It's called Wani Kun. <laughs> Claims he has never turned off his Super Nintendo. Why? He said that he had to keep it on to save his... Well, basically, he said that he keeps it on to save his progress in the Japanese game Umihara Kawase. Hmm. Earlier this year, he said he'd been constantly running for 180,000 hours, or 20 years, 6 months, 2 weeks, 3 days, 8 hours and 39 minutes. Um, and then he said, like, it is unknown if the device has been turned off since the Twister posting. But but he said, Wani Kun said he did <laughs> unplug his console once when he was moving, but that the battery stayed on long enough to keep the progress saved. Weird. Hmm. Well, that dude sounds like an idiot. Oh, you couldn't save it, could he? There you go. You're playing a shitty game, man, if you got to keep it on yeah, for 20 years. I think some of the RPGs, and it is, is, I think it's only what, only, only had a kawase. Kawase. It's an RPG. There always are RPGs in Japan, aren't there? Yeah, because I didn't really play too many. Like, I'm not a huge RPG guy, necessarily, and I don't think N64 really had... Did it have any? Besides uh, Paper Mario. I never played Paper Mario or Mario RPG. Did you play it? Did you have it? I played Paper Mario for the GameCube. I really liked the GameCube one. It was a really funny game, but I didn't play the, the N64 one that much. Yeah, I'm trying to look. I've got a box over there full of the N64 games, but I can't be really pulling them all out. Um, <laughs> Yoshi's Story. Did you ever play Yoshi's Story? Yes, briefly. It was the... Is that the one that had the art style that was kind of... It was like pastel colors? Mm-hmm. I'm a, yeah, I never played it that much, but it was the one with Baby Mario. Mario, right? Where he like it's baby. No, no, no. That was um, Super Mario World Two was uh, with Baby Mario on it. Really? Yeah. So then, what's Yoshi's story? Is there Mario's in it? No, you play. There's lo- loads of different Yoshis you can play with. Oh, how was that game? I loved it. It was colourful. It was bright. It was. It had, it had meaning. <laughs> <laughs> it weren't depressing like these other ones. No, it was. It was really good. It was really good, and you could go d- different ways and stuff. And, and then you got to reveal lucky fruits and stuff. It was. It was a good one. You had to pick. You had to get like certain fruits, and then it'd fill your screen or something. And it was- <laughs> we were <laughs> we were pretty easy to impress as kids, eh? When you just think it was pretty good, you could go different ways. <laughs> I thought, well, yeah, yeah it, 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 had, it had so much more meaning to it. You could press start. You could. <laughs> it was just a little bit like, yeah, Super, um, Mario Mario World Two. Okay, it was it was great. Uh, what else? What else? What else? I'll tell you the list of the games that I wrote down to talk about. Oh uh, yeah, go on then. So I had Mortal Kombat trilogy, Shadows of the Empire, which you brought up, uh, Mario Tennis, Diddy Kong, Banjo Kazooie, Banjo Tooie, Conker's Bad Fur Day. At least we don't talk too much about Conkers. Conkers Bad Fur Day is awesome. Well, I never fucking played it, mate, so I don't know. Uh, Perfect Dark, Donkey Kong 64, Star Fox 64, Mario Kart 64, then the two Zelda games, GoldenEye, Mario 64, Turok, and WrestleMania 2000. Did we talk about WrestleMania? Because I had WCW Revenge. Again, I'm not a fan of wrestling. (laughs) Yeah. But I liked the way those games played. And even though... There was one that came out after WrestleMania 2000, which is the one that every is usually everyone's favorite. It's the same as um, GoldenEye, and then there's Perfect Dark. Now, Perfect Dark is technically GoldenEye, but better. Like, it had more options. You had bots. You could save your stats, reload animations. But the point is that even though Perfect Dark improved a bunch of stuff, 
GoldenEye still had its own aesthetic and it, and it still stood on its own. And the thing that I always felt with the WrestleMania games was because there was like, there was WCW versus NWO, then there was Revenge, then WrestleMania 2000 when they got the WWF license, and then there was a game called, um, ah, oh, goddammit. There's one afterwards, WrestleMania, um, and that's the one that everybody likes, is the last one they made. Oh, right, no, I never played them. Because every every one of those WrestleManias, they did improve the gameplay slightly. They added more options and stuff. But I found that, just like every other game on the N64, anytime any company kept on just adding more features to their game, they just ran slower. I remember, like, that last WrestleMania game, it just sort of ran slower. So so I know, like, I had friends who really liked it, but I was just like, this game feels like slow motion to me compared to the previous one. Mm. And in WrestleMania 2000, and this is why there are some games that even when they were on cartridges and they're fucking 20 years old, they still haven't been topped in certain ways with modern games, whether it's because of load times or whatever. So in WrestleMania 2000, you could change every single character in the game. I think except for China. I think she was the only one you couldn't change because they didn't let you edit the girl. Mm -hmm. But since I didn't like wrestling, I changed everybody. So you can go into all the computer characters. You could change The Rock, you know, like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Give them fucking ridiculous faces. Change their names. I just loved how big the chest was as well. Oh, the characters look terrible. So when I would do a 40-man rumble, I'd play with a buddy, and every time a character would run in, we would laugh our asses off because we would just get high and make up these fucking wacky characters. (laughs) And so all of a sudden, this dude comes in with this crazy face, and he's just called, like, Bag Lust. And it starts playing, like, this shitty song, and, like, some dude runs in called, like, fucking, like, Grotum Master or whatever and it just looks like an asshole with like like fucking pink pants and like this big fat head and stuff. The rumbles were great, weren't they? Yeah, and it was so much fun and that's the thing because with cartridge games there was never any load time so you could do these 40-man rumbles every character in the game was changed so it was, it was fucking hilarious just seeing them run in with their stupid names whereas like with new games you can't do that. It's the same with Mortal Kombat like Shang Tsung he morphed. That was his power. He could turn into any other character in the game but once Mortal Kombat games started started to be on CD, you couldn't do Morph anymore because it required loading another character. In Mortal Kombat Trilogy, if you were going to play as Shang Tsung on the PlayStation version, you had to choose what characters you wanted to morph into before the match started. I see. That's weird. And then they got rid of that ability altogether. So, like, in the later game, Shang Tsung doesn't morph anymore because of the loading required. So, in a way, you know, these old cartridge games, like, they had an advantage. Because load time in in any game fucking kills a lot of it for me, even though sometimes it's not that long. But even some shooting games, you know, when you're just sitting there and you're you're waiting to play, you load up all your options, and then you're sort of, like, sitting there for, like, half a minute to a minute just watching some fucking bar go by? Here's another track. I'm joking. Right. (laughs) Um, So... Let's have a look here. Uh, did you ever play Blast Cops? That was rare, right? It's the one where you smash buildings? Yeah. It, it was a bit clunky, but I liked it. But um, I only played it a little bit. But I thought that was pretty cool as well. I thought it was a cool game. You had to cause, you had to basically just destroy everything in a certain amount of time. What else did I... I know there's something else. What, how about this? Let's listen to a track and then we'll fucking come back here. Here's a track by Dimmy K. This is Lovers in Trance.
that was Lovers in Trance by Dimmy K off La Luna album. And I'm here with Adam McNabb from Lucaset talking about N64. Rainbow Six was shite. I remember that. Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. I remember I kind of liked Rainbow Six because I was playing two-player with a buddy, but when I played the PC version, because I wasn't really a PC gamer and I'm not one of those people. All right, those whole fucking PC Master Race bullshit pisses me off. And I was fucking computers, man. When I was setting up my emulators, all right, I got a I got a cheap computer just to be like my emulator computer. And I'm fucking sick and tired. I'll go to message boards and there's always those assholes. There'll be that nerd that's always like, you could build a gaming PC for the same price as a PlayStation. And those nerds are fucking A, liars. And it's fucking bullshit. If you want to build your own fucking computer, now all of a sudden you have to source, like, fucking eight different things, okay, that all have different prices. You know, you got to get your fucking motherboard and CPU, a fucking case, a fucking uh, video card and a fan if you need it, a power source. You need all this shit. So now to build a computer, okay, to rival a PlayStation, you're, like, sourcing things from all over the place like you're some sort of fucking, like, warehouse manufacturer or something. Everything's a different price. Then you have to put it together, which means you're gonna have to watch tutorials, like, figure out how to do it. Then at the very end of it, you still have a fucking clunky computer that fucking never does what you want it to do. You're just sitting there like, what the fuck's going on? My game doesn't work. And then you restart and everything works fine. You're like, okay, I guess that doesn't make any fucking sense. And so, like, all these nerds that keep on saying you can do it, like, console gaming, and I will always be a console gamer, it's just easier. And that ease comforts me, is my point. If you've just joined us, you are listening to Andy's <laughs> Rant Hour, brought to you by Rantathon. No, it, it annoys me. Like, I wish people can just be honest. If everyone was just honest, it would be fine. Like, listen, if someone just says, look, yes, you get a better experience. You can play, you know, Skyrim in a super high definition on your computer. And if you like playing with... Frames per second and all that crap. Yeah, yeah but yeah, in, yeah. and if you like playing with mouse and a keyboard and stuff and you have access to all these mods, yeah, it's a, it's a cool experience. But don't bullshit me and say that you built your fucking gaming computer that's better than a PlayStation for cheaper than fucking, like, $400 because you didn't. And even if you did, it's not going to be as good as a PlayStation. And you still have to get a fucking controller and all this other stuff. Whereas a PlayStation just works. But we're not talking about those today, are we? We're talking about N64s. <laughs> Mario Parties. Did you like Mario Parties? Uh, they were okay. The first one, what, best one? My issue with Mario Party is the same thing that they did with Mario Kart later on, where the randomness of the matches started to get annoying. Like, you know how you're doing so good in Mario Kart, and then it'll just be like, oh, someone gets a blue shell, and then the whole fucking thing's fucked? Mm -hmm. It sort of keeps you on your toes a bit, because the match can change. But then there's also that aspect of, it's really fucking cheap and lame when you're doing so much better than everybody else, but then there's just an ability that someone can get that just puts you backwards for no reason. Only slightly. Not It's not like that extreme, where if you're first, you could be in last place. Well, I suppose you could, for the matter of time, but then, you know, you work your way back. But Andy... That's the whole point of life, you know. There's ups and downs, mate. You've just got to get the, the strong, you know, the rough with the smooth. You know, mate, it's not all fucking roses and shit. We, we get it, you don't like PCs. You're more, you know, you're like a console guy. You want the straightforward stuff. But don't come on here, on your show, rant about it, and then carry on about, you know, on your merry way. Because I don't deny that you can get an ex like a superior experience on a PC. We're not talking about PCs anymore now, Andy. We've moved on now. Come on. Mario Party. So I, I felt it. that Ma Mario Party, though, was the epitome to me of the randomness of some of those Nintendo games where, like, 
it was sometimes it was a bit too random for me to enjoy it. Yeah, it's like Marmite. You're either going to love it or you're going to waste three. It feels like you've wasted half of your life <laughs> playing it. Just like Marmite. I can remember playing like this Mario Party, bringing it over, and I said, let's, let's give this a go. And this guy, you know, was like saying, oh, uh, go on, we'll give it a go. But he'll piss. And at the end of it, he was like, that is the most ridiculous fucking game I have ever wasted my life on. <laughs> I, thought, oh, I, thought, I thought, well, all right. But, you know, fair do so. I think they're fun. It's a fun thing. It's a bit like what the Wii is like, you know, like family-oriented sort of like game. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So, but I thought it was brilliant. No, I mean, I've got nothing against the idea. I mean, like, those games are definitely meant to be played with friends in your fucking round. But you PC can't... PC game is... Okay, no. No, but you can't... Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't care. I think I agree with that because obviously when I talk about GoldenEye and why I loved it so much and stuff, it was because it was a more friendly game to pick up and play mm. and it wasn't as hardcore and serious as the shooters now so like when you had buddies together there was a party and there was an N64 on the ground people would just pick up controllers and laugh and they didn't care if they died because the game was fun And but then you'd always still have some of those friends who really did care yeah. who were just like oh stop killing me and like this this sucks and just like well then you're an idiot like this we're running around with like square heads with our arms out I mean like don't take it that serious so that's that's something that's always been important to me too is that sort of that party aspect but I've never been a fan of the party aesthetic because Goldeneye I consider a party game, but it doesn't, you know, it's not like with cartoon bears and it looks all silly and colorful. Well, it's like, somewhat for everyone, isn't it? I can't imagine my grandma playing Goldeneye and becoming like a fucking Zen master at it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like Mario Party, I reckon, you know, should have enjoyed it and brought more meaning to her life or something, you know, I don't know. I do love. I don't know why they comfort me, but you know those videos of, like, old people playing video games? I like them when they're playing, yeah, like, GTA. Yeah, that one with the old lady who's, like, playing yeah, Grand Theft like Auto. Yeah, swearing and shit. Yeah. Fucking hell. That's awesome. Well, let's, um... Another track. This is a, <laughs> this is a track by, uh, by someone called Noun Verber, and this is Receiver.
And that was Receiver by Noun Verber. That's a lot of errs. Is there anything you want to get off your chest? Any other games that you guilty pleasures or anything like that? Or Not really. I'm trying to think what else I used to play. Oh, Duke Nukem. No, I never played Duke Nukem. I did try it. When the split-screen shooters were like a big part, I did try every like split-screen shooting game that came out to play with my buddies, but they were never as good as... like We played Duke Nukem for a little bit, and it was okay. There was two other James Bond games that had split screen, but they were never as good as Goldeneye. They were the ones that were made by Eurocom, I think. But in the N64 version of Duke Nuke, actually, I think I watched my mate play it. Did they censor the women's tits? Yes. I think they did, and I was really disappointed. In, in, obviously, in the PlayStation one, it was like, yeah. <laughs> Conker's Bad Fur Day, on the other hand, even though it still bleeped out swear words, it actually had certain kind of British slang swears that stayed in the game that they eventually censored when they made the remastered version on Xbox. So even though like on the Xbox system they remastered and did a newer version of Conker, the N64 one was actually more vulgar. Because there's one scene where if you've never played Conker, like Conker was great. And uh, it had really filthy adult humor. Did they have like, because uh, Americans didn't know what wanker was. Yes, it's stuff, it's stuff like that. So, for example, there's one where there was a giant cog. And the mission was you had to get all the little cogs and put them on this thing to get this machine working. Essentially, the joke was that the giant cog had like this wood sticking out the middle that you had to put the cogs on. And so he would, it was basically like you were putting them on his dick or whatever. Yeah. And he had this like, he had an accent like you. All right. So he's just like, you fucking twat or whatever. But they kept twat in there or twat. You're kidding. Um, but they didn't, but they would censor the, the main swear words like the fucks and the shits and stuff. Oh, the hell. Come on, put it on. Hell. Put it on. I like it like that. Oh, 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 Thanks, f***head. Now go off with you. So when they did the Xbox one, they actually uh, they actually censored some of that stuff that was in the N64 one. I think they said twat a few times that they kept in and some other stuff. Oh, 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 twat in shite. That's tossed it right up there. Yeah, but that game was cool because it was just full of movie parodies. Like, that was the whole game. Nice. And it was cool because the game had such a shift in tone. So when it started, it was all, like, shit jokes. And, like, it was really, like, kind of base humor. It seemed sort of crass and sort of for immature kind of sense of humor. And then as the game went on, it got really dark and really serious. So, like, there's, like, a Saving Private Ryan part where, like, you go on the beach and, like, your squirrel and all the other squirrels are getting blown away. And then it ends with, like, a Matrix parody level. And then the last boss was, like, Aliens, where you get into, like, the mech, the yellow mech suit, and you're fighting an alien. Yeah. And it was just full of all these, like, these parody, And they did them really well. And it had, like, a really dark ending because it was bookended by, uh, like, a Clockwork Orange parody. So the game starts with, like, Conker sitting in his throne. And it's playing the song from the start of Clockwork Orange. And he's giving the speech, like, that uh, Alex is giving in uh, Clockwork Orange, except it's, like, about his story or whatever. So it was cool. Like, there's lots of references like that that, like, you know, kids wouldn't get. And it was a really good game. I don't think it came out over here, did it? It had to have. That'd be really disappointing if it didn't. I'm looking here now, yeah. So it released, uh, yeah, it came out in 
6th of April 2001 in Europe. One of these days, if you have some time, just watch the cutscenes. You'll get the you'll get the point of the game because they were good. Like, and for its time, it was really fun to see all those different parodies and like how they played and the fact that they were all done with like these cartoon animals and stuff. And that there was blood in the game. It had actually pretty good um, multiplayer as well because it had like a split screen one and like you'd run around with like a sword. It had like a few different modes. Like there was sort of a shooting mode, uh, kind of like Goldeneye, but then you could uh, pull out swords and do like kind of melee combat and stuff. Yeah, it looks good. I'm just having a little look now. It, it was one of the best looking N64 games. It looked great. And it played pretty well. The soundtrack was good. There was a lot of compressed audio. I remember that was a big deal because it was fully voice acted and it was still like on an N64. Another thing I actually really like is this track by Arcade High, which we're going to listen to. Okay. It's called Badlands.
And that was Arcade High with Badlands off the Kingdom album. And that's a good one. I'm here with Adam McNabb talking about N64 stuff. Mm. Did you ever get a hold of the 64DD? No. Was that even ever made? Yeah. That was a Japanese thing, though, wasn't it? Yeah, you could only get it in Japan, but I think you could get them in America as well. It's basically, you could make your own games, right? I never knew anything about it other than that it was called the 64DD. It was like a Doctor 64 or something, where you could make your own games or something. It was originally announced in 1995, prior to 64's 1996 launch, and after numerous delays, was finally released only in Japan. All right, okay. Only 10 software titles were released until the unit was discontinued in 2001. It was a commercial failure. Only 15,000 units sold. What were the games they made for it? I wonder if um, some of those games exist in some of these emulators. They must. I think they were up against Sega Saturns and Playstations, weren't they? Hmm. Ah, here we go. Release software. So, Mario Artist, uh, Doshin the Giant. Are you writing these down? <laughs> <laughs> no, mate. It's not, they're not really great, to be honest. It's, you've, got, you've got SimCity 64. You've got F-Zero Expansion Kit. So, maybe you could make your own stuff. Tinkling Toddler Liberation Front Ensemble. Mario Artist again, and then Mario Artist Polygon Studio. Mission Impossible 64 DD, Mario Artist Sound Maker, Hybrid Heaven. I never played that. Super Mario 64 2. What? Was meant to be released oh. for it. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I'll send you the link. So, Super Mario 64 sequel. The name Super Mario. 128 was first used as an early as early as January 97 during an interview from Nintendo Power as a possible name for the Super Mario 64 sequel. This rumored expansion and sequel to Super Mario 64 called Super Mario 64 2 was said to be developed for the 64 DD but ended up being cancelled. What the what, what just happened? What, <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, have you become like the you're like the Beyond Synth fact checker now? Yeah, but at least when I'm reading it, it just sounded like I was uh, not reading it from a paper like you were. What are you trying to say? You, you need to practice, lad. You need to bloody practice. That's what you need to do. Well, how about this, dude? We're going to wrap this up. Thank God for that. We'll listen to another track, and then we'll uh, give our final thoughts on this. So we're going to listen to another track here, and then we'll wrap up this N64 uh, amazing two-parter. Uh, here is uh, a track by Phaserland. This is Resemblance in Machine.
And that was Resemblance in Machine by Phaserland. And I am here with Adam McNabb. We've been talking about N64 stuff. So let's uh let's let's wind this down. Let's let's wrap it up. Know what I mean? Yes, mate. Probably the best part of the podcast, to be honest, isn't it? <laughs> There's definitely a different vibe to this week than it was last week. <laughs> I was, I was, it's always the same. It's always the same, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because there's a bit more of a rush on this this week, and that's all. Well, there's always a, there's always a mad rush. The bottom line is this for me: the uh, the N64 was great. I had a lot of fun with it. I think it was a fun console. I like that it kind of still felt like a toy in a way, and I think that's what makes it feel more fun to me. You know, it was it was colorful. All the controllers were all colorful. Yeah, uh, it felt like it could take a bit of abuse, like you could move it around and stuff. I know because there's something about you know when the systems came out, like PlayStation, when they had CDs inside, mm-hmm. that they weren't as friendly to like move around and stuff. Like you wanted to keep them safe. Yeah, and it's just something nostalgic about just blowing on the cartridge as well, just to make it work. Yeah, if uh, Nintendo took that to Dragon's Den, then they just went in and said, "Look, we've got this console. We don't know what it's going to do. We don't know how much it's going to sell for, but." You can you can blow dust out of the cartridge. Yeah. <laughs> Done. I will give you a hundred thousand dollars for zero point one percent of your company. Yeah. Can I just think about that? Although when I think back, I don't think I really blew in the cartridges that much of my N sixty four. It wasn't as necessary as like with the the regular Nintendo. They always fucked up. Mm. Like that was like that was a regular thing. I remember the N64, I didn't do it that much. I remember one day when the system wasn't working right and I was tripping out. I didn't know what was going on and my system was running in slow motion and it really freaked me out because I thought my Nintendo was broken and I had no money. So that was like a really serious thing for me. Like, I remember, like, really seriously panicking that my Nintendo was broken. You poor sausage. But I was also tripping out, too. Like, I was having a, another experience. Oh, right. It just so happened to be, like, th- these sequences ran parallel. So, like, I was, uh, I, I tried a certain drug, and uh, and I was like, fucking, what is going on? And then all of a sudden, the Nintendo actually started running in slow motion. <laughs> so it wasn't me tripping out. The Nintendo, like, we put Goldeneye in, and when the Nintendo flies up at the start of Goldeneye, where it, like, spins around in circles, it was like... And I was like, what's going on? And I had one friend who was sober, and I remember actually panicking. Like, the idea that my Nintendo 64 was broken caused me to panic, because the idea of having to get another one, I guess, was so far-fetched, because I couldn't afford it. And I remember I I went to my buddy, and he was sober, because he was just a drinker, and I just remember just going, I mean, it's it's a weird thing to say, like, my drunk friend was sober, but he was more sober than everybody else. He's not doing it, right? Yeah, well, everyone else who was tripping out, and I'm shaking him, just going, like, what's wrong with my Nintendo? Like, you gotta solve this, man, you're sober, like, like, I can't figure this out, like, what's wrong? He's like, I don't know, man, I'm just like, what's wrong with my Nintendo? And uh, it just needed to be restarted. But I remember, like, it, <laughs> at the time... Sounds like a scene from Stranger Things. <laughs> well, it was a big deal to me, and it was weird. It's just so weird when, like, you're already in a strange place, mm. and then something weird actually does happen, and it's not your imagination. Like, it really was, like... Well, you don't know. You don't know, do you? Well, at that point, there was enough people in the room to be a witness where I was just like, okay, is the Nintendo running in slow motion right now? And it's like, yep. I'm like, okay, uh, why... And then I went and looked at my eyeballs in the mirror and like the pupils were like morphing around like like paint and water. Like this one, like it was, yeah. That's fucked up, mate. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> you're, you're gonna have to edit that out, mate. That's too dark for viewers. They're, they're definitely gonna, 
scrap themselves after that one. Well, the whole point is people uh, you do things responsibly. As an adult now, I, uh, you know, I don't drink that much. Although when I do, then I end up with this, right? Like I, I, I went to a party on the weekend and fucked my voice up, right? So Sounds a lot better, though. Sounds a lot better than what you normally have. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being very negative and nasty with the aunt Andy. <laughs> Anyway, we've got to go. We've got to wrap this up. So, what was your favorite N64 game? Top three. Can we have top three? Sure. Oh, I, I, there's, not, there's, not, there's not like first place, second place, third place, but the three games that I played. Mario mm. 64. Mm. Zelda, Ocarina mm-hmm. of Time. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say this quickly. ISS 64. Did you, what was, you never played it, did you? ISS 64. Is that soccer? Yeah, International Superstar Soccer. You used to be able to score from a corner every time. And there was a competition for Nintendo, I think it was, to see how many goals you could score in a match. And I think mine was 72. <laughs> you could literally score from the halfway line. As soon as you had a kickoff and so you tackled him, you could kick it and then you could swerve the ball and the keeper would jump up and the ball would be swerving to the left or the right of him. It'd be like, England are playing Brazil. <laughs> Voiceovers were absolutely <laughs> crap. Anyway, that's that was that was a good one. Uh, that, that's, that's got to be a um, an honourable mention. So yeah, Goldeneye, Mario sixty four, and Ocarina. I'm gonna say that my list is uh, exactly the same. That's my three. <laughs> good for you. Just because uh, you know Mario sixty four was just so important, I will cheat and just sort of say Goldeneye and Perfect Dark as the same. Okay, they are the same. You yeah. can have that. And uh, yeah, and then Zelda. Those are those were uh, those are my top three. And an honorable mentions would be Pilot Wings. Pilot Wings. I never played that much of, to be honest with you. Great game. That's an honorable mention. Yeah, for me it would be Mario Kart sixty four, mm-hmm. uh, Conquer's Bad for a Day, Banjo Kazooie. Yeah, Banjo Kazooie. Yeah, Turok. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just end up reading my All whole the list. Games of games you played, <laughs> we like. <laughs> Anyways, man. Always a pleasure. You have a lovely day. Yeah. We may talk about some GameCube or Wii games next time, or Wii U. Sure. Well, maybe next time you can uh, get back together with your band and make some music. Who are they? I don't know. What about uh, one song? Don't don't get over yeah, ambitious. Yeah, yeah. Just just one. Just we just fucking that, one. All right. All right. All right. Stop pestering us, Andy. <laughs> Putting us under a lot of pressure. I feel like I don't actually pester you at all. No, you don't. It's always other people who, every time on Twitter, they're just like, when's Lucas said going to do something new? I'm just like, yeah, whatever. It's funny because, like, <laughs> me and Joe were talking about this the other day, and when we put out the deadline for the fucking album, we were like, shit, we need to pull our fingers out of our asses and do something. Yeah. <laughs> so I think setting a deadline actually helped. Yeah. So we'll have to set a deadline this year. And then just come up with something. Well, that'd be cool, man. Let's keep everyone guessing. Hmm. Well, they've been but, guessing you know, for might, how many, how many years? Dropping something, <laughs> we'll be dropping something in about five hours. You never know. Mm. Joe might be here with me now, just like literally just asleep on my lap. Stroking <laughs> his head. You just never know these things, do you? Or he could be at <laughs> yeah, home with his wife. You never know. <laughs> One or the other, man. It's a toss-up. We'll never know for sure. Yeah, exactly. But it's always a pleasure, Andy. Yeah, it's uh, great to talk to you, and I uh, hope you have a lovely day. Rest those vocals. Yeah, we'll we'll talk again. I'll drink lots of honey and fucking heal my uh, my vocal thing. Anus. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call it, Andy. <laughs> All right, dude. Peace out. Take it easy. See everyone. All right, we did it, dude. Thank fuck for that. <laughs> 
And that was Adam McNabb from Le Cassette, and we were talking about the N64, sort of. Although I think there was just a lot of, uh, I'm going to say, going off on tangents and uh, ridiculous rants, but uh, nevertheless. And I promise, next time, because we are going to do more of these sorts of themed shows, I'm going to do a bit better job at staying on topic and being on track. Because essentially, I like talking to Adam, and so we can just have fun and banter. But when I said, hey, let's do an N64 show, I didn't really have anything planned to say, and neither did he. And for part one, it seemed like a lot more fun. And then in part two, we were just really tired and just, like, reading from Wikipedia and stuff. (laughs) Tune in next week. Next week's going to be a good one. You're going to want to listen to it. In the meantime, thanks for listening to this one. I appreciate it. It must have been a slog. But the music was great, and that's why you're here. That's my new catchphrase. Uh, (laughs) Whenever the show is terrible, we'll just fall back on the fact that the music was good. And uh, that's it. So, guys, have a lovely weekend, and I will catch you next time on Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Beyond Synth.